quarrels with cats and chats with strangers and keeps himself clean. He buries bones and keeps tabs on his enemies and sleeps under my bed. That sort of dog. Rather sharply, as if he detested having to explain himself, the boy said, I meant what breed is he, what kind? Who knows? Matilda shook her head. The scruffy kind. The busybody kind. The kind which likes his dinner on time. He's something of everything, the way a dog should be. Do you take sugar? She asked again. I don't know. The boy looked suddenly thin with confusion. Should I? You would probably prefer it. Yes, please. Sugar, he said, as if he'd known all along. Matilda stirred sugar into both cups. The milk turned the tea a pressed rose brown. Quiffs of white steam waltzed and vanished. The boy returned to studying Peak. You should have called him Max, he said. Max is a good name for a dog. A good name for some dogs, Matilda agreed, but not for Peak. Does he bite? Occasionally, I'm afraid. There are certain cats and certain people of whom he particularly disapproves. The boy smiled, as if he too disapproved of certain things and was occasionally tempted to bite them. Peek was watching the visitor closely, neither wagging his tail nor growling, but simply staring. He watched the boy take the cup and saucer that Matilda passed across the table, his ears, angular as envelopes, twitched when the spoon clinked on the cup. The boy looked appreciatively into the tea, but pouted when Matilda offered him the biscuit plate. I prefer biscuits with jam, he said. So do I, said Matilda. There were some in the tin, but I ate them. There's usually only Peek and myself, you see, so we eat all the fancy biscuits and leave the plain ones for last. I'd have bought a cake or some tarts if I'd known we were expecting a visitor today. The boy only crinkled his nose and did not apologise for his uninvited presence. He took a biscuit and ate it miserably, as if it were made of clay. While he crunched on the splinters, Matilda closed the door that led to the kitchen and the door which led to the hall, so the lounge room was made snug and private, like the cabin of a boat. Then, with some relief, she settled into her armchair, which was her favourite chair and the one she always sat in, although it was not very different from the one on which the boy perched. The chairs faced each other with a little table in between, their broad flanks turned away from the television with its piped legs and wooden shell. Every evening Matilda sat in this small square room with Peek, listening to the radio or reading a magazine or playing records on the gramophone. They did not have many visitors and never any who were children. And yet, although it was completely peculiar to sit in her chair and see a fussy boy sitting opposite her, Matilda somehow felt that things were as they should be. It seemed that she had seen this exact boy sitting exactly where he sat, countless times before. She said, I'm sorry about the biscuits. I wish I had something nice to give you. But 
you'll be warm soon, and maybe happy. The boy only shrugged, for he was nearing the age when it is embarrassing to admit you can be happy. Matilda guessed he was eleven or twelve. His hair, which was pale, was fine and not tidy. There was still enough childhood in him to plump the cheeks of his scowly face. His eyes were lashy and grey as cinder. He wore a loose red collarless shirt with three unfastened buttons at the throat. It was a flimsy garment for such a damp day. Matilda wondered if his mother had told him to take his coat, but he'd been too vain to obey. His trousers were the colour of charcoal and showed on the knees signs of dirt. On his feet were a pair of cotton socks and good scuffed lace-up boots. He did not smell of anything, yet nor was he perfectly clean. He was not fat or puny.